All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 25 of the Kill Your Internet podcast. With you, as always, is your boy, Colin. Our guest today, videographer extraordinaire, absolute fucking waste of space, Mr. Matt Henry. How are we doing today, buddy? Waste of space? I don't know, man. I guess that's how I feel today. (laughs) I feel like a waste of space. Don't get emotional on me I'm just kidding. No, I don't. I feel great. 25 is about how old my t-shirt is. Really? So. You you have like legit like. Oh, yeah. It's actually older. It's Look, check it out. Oh, you got the actual tour merch? You can see the mic. 1989. Before I was born, tour merch. When were you you born? 91. 91 too? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Shout out the shop on Gerard. Dude, uh, first off, I'm a big vintage tea guy. I have a nice Springsteen, uh, like 1980. Uh, River Tour merch. So I'm a big Stones guy, so I'm actually very, very proud of you for having that. Same. There's something odd about having a T-shirt that's older than you are. It is weird. It's kind of like who was wearing it like when I was a little, Wait, little young. So I I bought this shirt off eBay last year, and it's a uh, Operation Desert Storm shirt that's actually from Operation Desert Storm. Like a like, military? They made merch for wars? Yeah, they made merch for fucking war. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> like, who would have thought to be like, yeah, you know what we could like, do? We need to fundraise for this mission now. Honestly, the swag that we could be putting out yeah. for this war would be fucking dope. Yeah, let's make our war go viral. I felt really bad one time. I was at a Phillies game, and I wore that because I wasn't expecting to go, and I just had it on when I went. Yeah. And uh, two people came up to me in the in the stadium and, and said, thank you for you were, your service. Oh, dude, that's and I was like, worst. I was like, no, dude, no, 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 no. no. I'm just supporting them. Yeah, no, I, I, I just I, thought this was a cool shirt. I don't want to take credit for that. Yeah, no, uh, I've never felt worse in my my entire life and when that dude came up to me was it legit like hey man i want to thank you for your service and i was like sorry man i just i know a couple people who no respect i have a lot of friends who are in the military i have a lot of friends for thanking me but i have a lot of friends who are in the military too and i've never felt like more of a dickhead my entire life yeah no i feel that um shout out to our military shout out to our military shout out to matt for being here today uh i have a lot in common with matt uh, I'm gonna just start out by saying Matt is a a fellow married guy, so shout out to shout out to marriage, oh, shout out to the institution of marriage right here. Yeah, we're coming up on our two year anniversary. Oh, we're coming up on our one year anniversary. Uh, actually, no. What it feels like, it hasn't been that long. But we got married in October. Okay. Yeah. So technically, yeah, we are coming up on our our one year anniversary, which is so fucking odd. You go so quickly from being like the people who are getting ready to get married to being the ones who are married and then yeah. all your boys are getting married so it's like i don't know it, it, it's 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 I don't a, really have any friends that are getting married i have a ton dude <laughs> northeast philadelphia where i'm from is like you get married by 30 or you die alone like that's just how that's it is funny it is it's a very well first off you're an adopted son of philadelphia you're not a natural yeah, born no, philadelphia. i am originally from the great lehigh valley allentown pennsylvania is no where shit. i was born i went to whitehall high school me, shout out zephyrs then me and you need to have a fucking conversation real quick so this is the one point of like issue that I have with Matt. And every time he puts out stressed out stressed out Sundays on 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 Instagram, I I have to talk shit through Instagram. He's a Steelers fan. How did that how did that come about? Die hard Steelers fan. I know, seriously. And I, I played I give football you- for 15 years. I played Division 3 football in college. So football is Division 2 baseball, baby. Massive part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, but growing up, we were a big football household. My dad was a Steelers fan. Uh, okay. But I came to learn as I got older that my dad's kind of a fair weather fan. Ooh. He, like, he likes the Steelers and he watches a game on Sundays, but he's kind of like. It's really disappointing gets, to find out is. that your dad's a fair weather fan. Now, my mom, diehard Birds fan. I'm talking like over the top, passionate. I remember FaceTiming her when the Eagles won the Super Bowl because I was in Philly just making a video when when it all went down. Yeah, yeah. She's crying, bawling her eyes out. Like, so is she a Birds fan? Diehard Birds fan. How did that? How did the coexisting in that household take place? It, I mean, they got divorced when I was ten, so it didn't. Oh, last okay. Very long. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> all right, that makes sense to um, me. But I basically look at it like I got my mom's passion and competitiveness, and you got your dad's team, and I got my dad's team. See, my my dad is. A true Philadelphian that he hates everything that we do always. So my dad never, like we. I watched every single Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, uh, Phillies game growing up, and my dad all he ever did was talk shit. It was never like a, like oh, a, they're gonna oh we're gonna it. do oh, great this year. It, no, exactly. It, no it's hope. like it's like ah like even like oh one Sixers, which is like one of my earliest memories of being like a fan, and my dad just being like fucking Iverson never passes the ball. Yeah, but you <laughs> gotta think. You gotta think, man. He went through like. Probably at that point, like, what, 25, 
20 to 25 years of just really shitty shitty Philly Philadelphia sports. sports. Well, yeah, what the, the Flyers were great back in the but day. But also, you know what? Sixers he, were great back in the day. He, he grew up uh, two Sixers or two Flyers Stanley Cups, Sixers in 83, Phillies in 80. Um, he saw championships. But then after that, though, uh, it was yeah, like, it probably, you got to think, that's 20, that's what? So 1983, that's 18 years. Between the last championship he saw, I guess that's and fair. the 01 Sixers actually having a shot, I don't yeah, know. He's at that point probably fed the fuck. Yeah, up. he's always he's always just been a shit talker, and it's also <laughs> we just never had the money to go to games either. So he'd always it would always be the rationale of like they fucking suck anyway. Why are we going to the game? I feel that. <laughs> but we went to. Did you get to go to a lot of like Steelers games? Or first of all, are you a Pittsburgh guy all around? Are you a Penguins fan? Are no, you- to be completely honest, I really don't follow any sport closely besides football. I'm a, I'm a diehard okay. Steelers fan, and I'll watch. You know, I love championships. I love like the World Series, the NBA Finals. Well, it must be nice to like championships and be a fucking Pittsburgh fan because yeah, we had two when I was in high school. Went to a third and lost, which sucked. But after that, I've it's always- kind of they've been. They just couldn't get it done for so many years after that. It's really odd for me because I always ask this question. It's why why does Pittsburgh get nice things? Like you got like it's a backwater fucking town in the middle or in in Western PA. Yeah, you've contributed absolutely jack shit to the history of America other than steel. I'm just very fucking important. Uh, Yeah, it's important. (laughs) I mean, we're the cradle of freedom, so you know I don't know the. I don't. I didn't even go to Pittsburgh (laughs) until I was 20 years old. Oh, really? You never even got to go out there. I went to a. We never had money to go to games either. Okay, cool. Go out to Pittsburgh to go to a game. Yeah. So like, I went to an Eagles game or two with my mom growing up, and then I got to go to a Steelers Eagles preseason game once, which was like. We, highlight of my life. We always got preseason tickets. People would give us preseason tickets, but we yeah, never. Because nobody wanted to go. Nobody but we wanted were to like, go. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go for ten bucks. Sweet. I went to a couple preseason uh, Sixers games. I went to one Sixers game in my life before I was an adult. Uh, about a hundred and fifty Phillies games because they were five dollars on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to no Flyers games and I went to no Eagles games. And now as an adult, I go constantly. You know what I mean? Like that's oh, my yeah. shit. Um, I usually make it to an Eagles game every year. I will say I, so close. I respect you because you're you're a passionate guy about your team. And like that to me, like I hate the Steelers and I hate the Steelers fans because there's this like superior and I'm not even talking shit on you. I'm just saying like this like superiority complex to where you guys are so successful that it's almost comes off as like the likes the uh we won six it that kind of annoys me. One for me. the thumb. Like, yeah, the, like that I it's nice always having that. I mean not anymore because of the fucking Patriots, but it's but nice yeah. always having that in conversation. Like, oh, yeah, the Eagles won one way more recently, but, you know, I at least got to see two, got to see them go to three. They've won six, which nobody else has won more Well, it's than. just like you guys always have this thing now to where even if, like, we win, right? It's just like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, How's like, that good, one good ring? You guys. Fucking jump yeah. off a bridge. Get yeah. out of here. I've been to Pittsburgh. I've driven through Pittsburgh numerous times. You have it's a like, beautiful city. You have, like, one road that goes into four different fucking bridges, and it's, like, it's, nine yeah, hours of traffic. It's kind of chaos, but it's pretty... If you look at it from like afar, oh yeah, driving no. through it, it's chaotic. It's pretty. Um, and I look, I I love a lot of things from Pittsburgh. I'm a huge Mac Miller fan. I don't know if that means anything. So, but I want to get Mac Miller. R.I.P. Dude, still I still listen to him every day. Um, so let, let's get into Matt. Let's get into Matt's world. First off, how's quarantine been? So my quarantine experience has been very different from pretty much every single person I know. Very different. Explain that, please. So my wife and I have a ranch out in Montana. Normal thing to say. Mountforgemontana.com. It's the greatest Airbnb in Montana. So you can go stay there yourself. No shit. Yeah. Since you let me on this podcast, I'll give you 8% off. Oh, you come stay. up. Let's yeah, go. 8%. No, I'm just <laughs> Call kidding. my wife when I get out of here and be like, Dana, we're going to Montana. 8% off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can stay there anytime you want. Just let me know. Um, but First of so, gorgeous land. It's amazing out there. Oh, my God. Quick backstory on that. In 2017, my best friend and his now wife were having a dual bachelor-bachelorette party in Vegas. Nice. Uh, my wife and I were both going, and we wanted to have... It was going to be a four-day bender in Vegas. Of course. Just a shit face. As it generally like, is. We're like, we need a place to detox for a couple of days. $50 one-way ticket from Vegas to Missoula, Montana. What? Neither of us had ever been there. We didn't know anything about the place, but we were like... That and you sounds, just fell in love? Like, that sounds like the perfect place to detox. And we were like, yep, okay, yep, this is amazing. We absolutely fell in love with Montana on that trip. We were like, if we ever buy a vacation home, we're going to buy it out there. So then early 2019, uh, fast forward, she texts me a Zillow link. And she's like, hey, look what I found uh, (laughs) on Zillow. Uh, You know, it looks like really like cheap. Um, And it's out of Montana in the region that we stayed. And I like kind of like looked at it and was like, eh, okay, like maybe one day. Sure. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
And then Please don't she get my hopes up. says to me the next day, she's like, hey, babe, um, there is one way we could afford this. And I was just like, sell a kidney. What do you think? Well, no, she's like, you'd have to drain your retirement account from Vanguard. So Ooh. I worked at Vanguard for four years and they gave me a pretty good, you know, retirement situation. They did a really good match program. So I had enough money to cover a good chunk of it in that retirement. So I and you pulled the trigger? And I was like, all right, I can let this money grow till I'm 65 and, you know, it'll be enough money that I could buy myself a nice vacation home when I'm 65. Or enjoy it. Like, or yeah. I could just say, fuck it, drain all my retirement money <laughs> and just buy a piece of land in Montana. Let's go. And that's the decision that I made. I think so, you made the right decision, dude. Yeah. I do. I couldn't be happier with it. We actually then, so we bought 63 acres with nothing on it. And then oh my we God. built a little cabin on it. We bought a cabin on the internet and had it delivered via truck. 2020 is a fucking amazing time it's for un- certain things. It's unreal. You can literally buy a cabin on the internet and get it delivered. And Jesus. we did that, and now we have a nice little cabin out there, and it's become our amazing vacation home. But we also rent it out on Airbnb. And since I think that I can take better pictures than basically all of our competitors who yeah. are shooting iPhone photos Absolutely. of all their stuff, people see the 63 acres and like a photo of the Milky Way. And the whole thing gets booked up. Are you? Se- I was going to say, are you, are are you seeing a lot of people going out there? The entire summer has oh been booked God. since the day from the day we left until Labor Day. There's only two days. So you really made right like now. a financial decision that actually wound up making sense because people wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, outstanding. We were like, we want a vacation home, and then it kind of turned into this business opportunity. And I was like, I'm just going to take a bunch of badass photos and see how this thing does. And then all of a sudden, it started getting booked left and right. Now it's become, like, a much more longer-term game plan. Bro, it's so odd to be, like, because you're 28, right? Mm -hmm. So am I. So we're at this point where, like, all right, we're in a creative field, and we're making this shit happen. But now you're not only just doing that, and you're, like, not just grinding out. You have to make, like, financial decisions as married people. So, like, I I invested money in stocks over, like, the Christmas holiday, Mm -hmm. and one of them wound up hitting big. Uh, it was a it was a vaccine stock and I had no idea. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> I bought shares at like three dollars a share and now it's up to like one fifty a share. I don't know shit about stocks. I just got lucky. Um but like uh, other than that, like just just like you mentioned Vanguard, like I have a fucking Roth IRA. Never in my mind did I ever think like I was like, I should probably start saving for retirement until my wife was like, Yo, you should start saving for retirement. Yeah. How magical is being married though? Just it's, to be honest, it's like awesome. it's it's fucking it is, outstanding. It's a right? great experience. I mean it's doesn't change anything if you've been with your significant other for a while before you get married it's not like there's this you know people were always saying oh when you marry is like the beginning of the end nothing man shut the fuck up no it's because like that i don't i don't know why people think that that's a real weak talk it really is it really it's it's so awesome because you just like i don't know you got your best friend you're partnered all the time yeah (laughs) there's nothing better than that how long were you with your wife before you were married uh we were together for over five years. We were so. together. We just shared our 12-year anniversary. We started dating. We were 15. That's crazy. It's fucking wild. That's, That's insane. once again a very northeast Philadelphia story. Very, very, very northeast yes, Philadelphia story. So. But a great one because it's not always like it's not often that when you're 15 you start dating somebody and it ends up being the one. I always knew too. It's very odd, but I always knew. I just enjoy this because I rarely get to talk to like people who are my age and married and like a functional like married couple. Yeah, pretty cool. No doubt. What what brought you to Philly? Uh, my job, yeah. So, so Vanguard brought you yeah, here. Yeah, Vanguard brought me here. No shit. Um, I back in uh, I got a finance degree from King's College, and oh, okay. I was like, you know, I need a job, and I kind of networked my way into a job that was way above my resume. Yeah. Um. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that that winds up becoming important later in life when you start networking. Much so. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so I went down there to do the to do the thing and i had never touched a camera in my life like, really i like you know i had a you know made jackass videos with my friends when we were younger same like like everybody but i never actually like thought about you know like shooting video or shooting photos as a thing right? yeah i went down to start working at vanguard like i'm gonna become a portfolio manager like i'm gonna grind my ass off and i'm gonna be this big financial financial dude. guy like, that's, that's i can't even do. look at you and think of you as a financial guy it's crazy like that was what i was dead set on doing that and that dude, is wild to me like i'm two years in i passed level one of the cfa exam which is a grind in and of itself i'm studying for level two 
and I like was a huge into dance music, like big EDM fanboy, like hardcore. And that's something I want to get into we too. Will definitely later. get we will definitely get back definitely. to that. But hardcore EDM fanboy, and I was following all of my favorite artists so closely that I actually started following their videographers. Oh, uh, okay. Like, I thought it was cool. I still didn't think of it as a thing for me. Right. I just saw that they had personalities and they were making cool GoPro videos and blah blah. blah. I'm like, this shit, this is pretty cool. And then I went on a ski trip to Vermont with a bunch of my college buddies. Mm. And uh, I love snowboarding and I've, you know, and I really got into it into my, in my like mid twenties. And one of them had a GoPro and I just asked like, Hey man, can I like grab that thing and like take it down or run on the mountain? He like had it with him the whole weekend. He used it like twice. I'm kind of like, bro, if I have one of those things, I have it out the whole fucking time. Yeah, I would have it strapped to my forehead. So then he gives me the GoPro and I take it down the mountain once. And I was like, I'm hooked. This is my thing now. This is what I'm doing now. I literally bought one on Amazon the next day. Love it. And I was like, I basically was like, I like want to make videos like the dudes that make videos for all my favorite artists. And I was like, I'm going to just start trying to do it. And that was about two years into the job at Vanguard. And I kind of was like, the Vanguard job I was starting to become unhappy with because I I just like, I didn't really fit into the whole corporate environment. I wasn't good. It's a real thing, dude. At like, you know, like I wasn't good at, acting the way that i needed to act to get better at that job like Mm. in hindsight i feel like if i were to go back to the same job and like have to get better at it i would be able to adapt to the environment much more and kind of like be able to like play the game more or less but like i was very thick-headed five years ago yeah like four years ago oh my god yo imagine imagine right now and i'm gonna cut you off but just like talking to yourself at 23 i would punch myself in the fucking face oh yeah dude talking yeah Seriously, 100%. But I just, like, exactly. And I just was so stubborn and not willing to, like, make certain concessions because I, I was, like, in my own, with my own ego, was like, no, if I, you know, like, like if I act the way that my bosses want me to act, that means I'm losing a part of myself. Right. You know, I was very just, like, like anti-establishment like in that. What an odd job right? to be anti-establishment which, at. Yeah, which does not <laughs> fucking work at the world's largest mutual fund company. No. So I was, st- and then I also started to realize that, the harder I worked didn't matter. And I would see people who didn't work anywhere near as hard as me. Yeah. And they were getting promotions just because, you know, the situation worked out better for them or they had been there longer or they were next in line and blah, blah, blah. Or they had a cousin. And I'm like, there. really? So my fucking effort literally makes such a marginal difference. And you're not like creating anything in that space. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, is I that mean, a weird no, thing? Oh, yeah. For you? If you get creative in accounting, you go to jail. Yeah. That's, like, <laughs> there that's is no creation. Yeah. Anything. You cannot get creative there. And I would try to like take on projects and like, you know, like I would, I was very big in automating things. I would try to like, I would, I was doing all these medial like tasks all Excel day long. Spreadsheets yeah, and Excel and shit like spreadsheets. That. And I got really fucking good at taking like a hundred click process and turning it into one button. That's what my wife does for and a, I was for like, a living. Th- I was like, I actually like enjoyed that because yeah. it was problem solving and it was right. kind of creative. And people would actually get mad at me because they would be like, you're going to automate us out of a job. And I was just like, <laughs> well, then work harder. Well, motherfucker. I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to not click a million fucking buttons at my desk all day. And I just want to make this shit easier. So all I got to do is click a button and fucking kick back and relax. What was your breaking point where, where um, you were like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to make this switch. <laughs> I actually had just gotten promoted because it was funny after the two year mark when I basically was like, fuck this, picked up the GoPro, started making videos 100 yeah. percent all the time I could outside of work. Um, I then get promoted twice in the next two years. <laughs> of course, after that's I how basically kind of like sort of half mentally checked out. Yeah. Um, but I just got promoted to a new team and we're in a conference room for a, like a break the ice meeting. And the question is, go around the room and say something that you love about your job is what like the question was Ooh. and i kid you not dude like if you ask yourself right now if i ask myself something you love about your job you can very easily come up with several things that you love about your job i could fill a podcast yeah but every single person there was like i love my job because i only have to work 40 hours a week and i have tons oh, of free time so i love my job weird. because i get three weeks of vacation to go do things that i like I love my job because, you know, I have a good retirement plan. And when I'm 50, when I'm 65 and retired, I can start doing the things that I like to do. And I'm literally like, not a single person at this table, including myself, said something about their actual job that they like. And that's when I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Bro, I have those conversations. Well, And and it's odd, too, because I think when you, like in my my case, right, my wife is a nine-to-fiver. And And there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. It's a completely different mindset. To where we had to have a conversation amongst, like, as a couple, just being like, I am who I am, and I am a person who is very passionately driven to do what they do. You are a nine-to-fiver 
who works really hard and enjoys their free time. Yeah. We need to come to a conclusion on how we live this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't even mean to bring it back to marriage, but when you're looking at it like that and you have to have that open conversation, it, it's actually freeing. But, I mean, from my perspective, there is no way you could ever stick me in an environment to where I'm going to be sitting at a desk and then somebody says to you, why do you like your job? Uh, retirement fund? Get yeah. the fuck out of here. I'm Stability? Sti- a paycheck? Like <laughs> all things you know, that don't like, exist when it comes to and, making music. And like that was everybody in that room. I had some friends there that were kind of like, you know, I like this job because like it is for me, it was an easy fucking job. Yeah. Like I if if you wanted to go and just make your paycheck and get by and not really climb the ladder and become like an executive level yeah, person there, dude, you could go there, clock your 37 and a half hours, do the damn thing, yep. and you're gonna get a steady three percent raise every year, and you'll be able to retire with a fucking lot of money. My cousin Chris works for me. Really low stress, right? But there was also a lot of people that were like like, hey, man, like, I got three kids, and to me, I grind it like I'm an immigrant from yes, exactly. like, from the Soviet Union days. Yeah. Came over here. It was, like, one of my best friends, August, and he was, and, you know, he's a car guy. Like, look, bro. He's like, I came from nothing in fucking Stalin Russia. Yeah. He's like, and, like, post-Stalin Russia, and he's like, and I, I graduated, came over here, and I grinded my ass off to get a degree and so- to get this job and work my way up and build a family for my kids like a life for my kids that like yep. previous generations of my family never had the opportunity to do. And I'm like, see, now you look at this job way differently than, than I do. And that's great. And he's very happy doing what he's doing. Right. And like, then it makes me feel like an asshole. If I'm trying to convince everybody that right. like a nine to five is well, bad. It's all, con- it's, it's all contextualization too. So yeah, to- and like my wife's an attorney. Right. And like the reason that I think I started trying to work so hard to find something I'm passionate about is because from the day I met her, the first thing she said to me is, I want to be a federal judge. And Shit. she's been working her entire life to get into the best law school that she could possibly get into mm-hmm. because she's very passionate about it. Right. And, like, she's a nine-to-fiver, more like a eight-to-eighter. But, right. <laughs> um, but she works a desk job, but it's doing something super badass and something she's And something she loves. Exactly. And it's, I think it's more not so because my, my wife truly loves what she does. But she, that's the most important that's part. the most important part. And I've watched her. She's getting promotions now and she's just working her ass off, especially oddly enough with quarantine. She got busier. She works in SEO. So she yeah. works. Everything's digital. Everybody's yeah, trying to make their websites rank. So what the fuck? That's all right she's now. doing. But uh, just to watch. She she's very much family person. She and she she cares very deeply about what we do outside of work. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a great thing for me because I'll drift away. Yeah. I, I will just. We've known each other for two, three years now, bro. I'll work until the cows come home. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Like that's I'm. There's eight to eight. There's nine to five. I'm twenty four three sixty five. And you are too, though. We I feel actually, like. me and my wife actually, after we got married or after we moved in together and stuff, like it was like because before we moved in together, I was living with Shizlo. Oh no, uh, shit! Great producer yeah. uh, from Philly. One of my wait. Do you know Sweet Teeth? Al- yeah. Oh my god. Sweet Teeth lives in my old room. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, um, but no, Sean, Sean and I have known each other. He was like one of my first like Philly, like dance music scene homies yeah. and he was in my wedding. He's like one of my best. Oh friends. wow. That's awesome. Um, but him and I lived together and it was like, you know, we're fucking up till six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, working all night long, ridiculous yeah. hours. And then, you know, touring and shows and stuff on the weekend. Of course. So when Nicole and I moved in together, it was like, you know, I'm up till five, six o'clock in the morning. She's up at seven going to work. I'm sleeping till noon. You guys just high five. I wake up and then she gets home from work. And then it's like, you know, like she's like, can we eat dinner together? And like, you know, six, six o'clock at night when you wake up at noon is the middle of your day. Yeah, you're you're like, I'm starting to get to work. Like, I'm just like kind of eating dinner, but I'm like all anxious. I need to get back to work. I got a project to finish. I got this, that, another thing. Yeah. Like it just really put a lot of tension on our, on our relationship. And that's a classic thing. And we had to, you know, kind of have a conversation about it. And I was like, so one weekend when I got back from tour, um, I just decided, like, I'm wake up when her alarm goes off. Yep. I'm going to start working then, and that'll give me a 10-hour, 12-hour workday before she gets home. As soon as she's home from work, I most of the time, sometimes I'll have to keep working a yeah, little bit. Yeah, of course. But most of the time, I'm getting enough done that I'm on schedule, and I'm getting I'm meeting all my deadlines, and then we can hang out in the evening and, I had and to actually do the, get our time I, had to this, I think when you're in a creative field, you have to find ways to kind of um, – acquiesce to your partner schedule because they are in a much more structured environment we yeah. kind of we kind of have our patterns yeah, that you we can follow make your own schedule for the most part but but we we tend to fall into those night owl schedules to where it's like okay most of our shit goes on at night so i try yeah. to build myself that way and it was probably like a year ago to where i started to really try and like 
make sure we always had Sundays. Or it's like, yo, I'm not going to go to the studio tonight. I'll try and get my shit done early. Um, that's like, so it's it's important. And it, it really is odd, especially in today's world. So quarantine-wise, this is the first time I've ever only had to focus on one thing. I'm just making music right now. I'm not touring. I'm not fucking killing myself, whatever. And it's been nice that while she's working upstairs in our office room, I turn the, the dining room in our new house into a studio. Yeah. And then at five... We high-five. I then turn, I take all the shit back up into the office room, work for two hours, and then come downstairs, and we have dinner together. We watch TV. And she's loving, she's absolutely loving life. I want nothing more than to be on the road, but it really has been nice just to have the opportunity to fucking see my wife and actually be a normal human being for five minutes. No, I feel that. Actually, I think we completely went on a really long sidebar away from what I actually did during quarantine. Yeah, what did you do during quarantine? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but basically, yeah. So, um, South by that was the next gig that I had lined up. Right. Uh, it was, you know, we were, you guys were on the lineup to play this year. No, we were last year. Oh, you were there last year. We were skipping South by this year. You were skipping this this year. But, um, so I was going to go down, do the Amplify Philly house again, like I've done for the last like three years. Great time. And I had just gotten back from a month-long tour, Brazil and Mexico, with a guy, Timmy Trumpet, who I do a lot of work for now. And I've seen a lot of those videos, by the way. Absolutely fucking outstanding. Timmy is an awesome dude. His music is amazing. He's actually become... That was, like, my first month on the road with him. It was, like, a month and a half. Um, and, like, we got really close, and we became super tight. And, oh, that's like, awesome. stayed in touch during this whole process. Um, and I think I'm going to be a big part of what he has going on. I'm working on, I did like two music videos for him out of Montana. I'm working on another oh, project really? for him right now. Yeah. So it's like a whole thing. Like him and I are super close and I can't wait like to get back out on the road with him. How much did you get to utilize Montana for creation? So a lot actually. So basically South by Southwest gets canceled. Right. Then I'm supposed to go to Miami music week the following week, ultra Miami. That Obviously gets canceled. Happen. Then I had a six week tour with, um, Steve Aoki, was doing a six-week tour, and Timmy was playing direct support. Oh, wow. So I was supposed wow. to be on a tour bus with Steve and Timmy, and we were going to do a six-week U.S. tour, right? That Jesus. was, like, my next, like, two and a half months, and I'm, like, fucking stoked on it. Yeah, you have your whole sudden, year South by Southwest canceled, Miami canceled, tour canceled, everything gone in literally a day. And then my wife, um, somebody in her office, um, you know, got exposed to coronavirus oh and was God. getting tested for it, so they're like, we're shutting you down. We're you're working remotely indefinitely. This was this was March like fifteenth, right? And this is when I was like, babe, fuck this. We're packing up the car. We're Pull driving out to Montana. Yep. Like we have internet out there. Like we can work remotely from out there. We're thinking it's only gonna be like two weeks, anyways. Like so. Well, how I long were you like, out there for? We were out there for three months. I was gonna say you were yeah. going for fucking ever. So we drive out there. We get out, dude. Fucking miserable drive. Absolutely miserable drive. We got. We drove out Ugh. there in three days. And like, you know, the first day we drive to South Bend, Indiana, we're too afraid to sleep in hotel rooms because we don't know. This is mid-March. Of course. We don't know what the fuck is going on. This is like fresh corona. We don't know if we have it. We don't know if somebody else has it. We don't know how contagious or dangerous. It's like War of the Worlds, dude. freaking out. Yeah. So we're like, we got the dog in the back in my fucking Jetta. And (laughs) we're like, we and it's fucking middle of winter and we're not going to sleep in a hotel room. So we're like, all right, maybe we could camp. But then we're like, what's the fucking point of camping? Let's just sleep in the car. So yeah. we sleep at a truck stop in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, my God. That's, a, that's my nightmare right in there. In the front seat of the car. Miserable experience. Wake up the next day, drive 17 hours, end up Jesus. in fucking Dickinson, North Dakota. Like, <laughs> North Dakota, there is nothing. Now, one, it's one like of my, a 13-hour straight shot of nothing. One of my best friends married a dude from North Dakota, and he will even tell you. There's nothing. There's nothing. So then we sleep fucking wake up in the middle of the night it's 14 degrees the whole car is ice i'm shivering like and i'm like this is just so bad <laughs> wake up in the morning we cross over the border into montana and we're like yes we're close and then the gps fucking 10 hours to go still so through 30, montana yeah dude 36 hour drive from philly to our spot in montana my work so we this, did it in three days dude, it was so a nightmare we did 36 hours home from south by last year because we had a tour going down to south by we toured for two and a half weeks going down to south by we our last stops in Texas. Now, if you've ever, if you've never toured, the dumbest fucking thing to do ever is set your last tour date twenty four hours yeah, the away from your home. Furthest away you could possibly be. We're fucking morons. What do you want me to tell you? No, and uh, so we we leave to go back to Philly, and we hit Dallas. And there's two accidents in Dallas uh, that shut down both major bridges going through Dallas. Uh, so we spent eight hours on the side of the highway in fucking Texas, in the middle of the night. No. Stop in Memphis, sleep for two hours. Get back on the road. It took us 36 hours to get home. I feel your pain. Yeah, 
That sucks. <laughs> we fucking got That's a like hotel to sleep like, for two yeah, hours. Yeah, dude, it's so bad. So we, but then we finally get out there, and I, as soon as we got out there, I was like, I really hope this lasts longer than two weeks because I do not want to do that drive again anytime was soon. Was the drive home easier or worse? Yeah, we we did it in four days. We stopped at. Um, well, you were willing to do hotels at that point. Yeah, right? we were staying in hotels. We stopped at uh, uh, Mount Rushmore. Oh, sweet, which, which was cool. Yeah, I mean, you don't need more than fifteen minutes there. No, you're um, like, oh look, we saw the crazy Rocks. horse statue, which was a complete fucking waste of time. And money. <laughs> Um, so don't do that. Uh, and then we made another stop and we stayed in hotels and, uh, we stopped at the pro football hall of fame. Oh, that's awesome. Fucking awesome. Canton baby. Oh dude, if you're a football Great fan capital and you've into the pro football hall of fame, it's definitely a thing to do. Before we move on to music, I want to ask you a question real quick. You said you play football at King's college. Yes. Do you know Mike Palmer? Yeah, I know Palmer. Palmer? I've played with him for like two years. Holy fuck. Hold He's on a, a second. great wide receiver. Mike Palmer is Northeast Philly, born and bred. Yeah. We played high school baseball together. Uh, he went great. to Archbishop Bryan. I have good stories He's about him. He's a great athlete. So Palmer is a fucking lunatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, we used to pay him on the baseball team to do gross shit. Paid him $20 to eat a worm. Uh, paid him $20 to eat a hot dog bun off the bottom of my shoe. Uh, and then the sounds the, like he was making pretty good money. Oh, are you kidding me? In high school, <laughs> this kid's a sophomore. We're seniors and paying this kid to. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> I didn't bring any of these things up, just so you know. I love that fucking kid. <laughs> I have amazing memories of Mike Palmer, man. Um, all right, so we'll get past football. Yeah. So but, three. Yeah. So we were out of Montana for three months. Uh, I was a little concerned in the beginning. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with like work and everything like that. But then all of a sudden, I ended up being fucking busier than before I left. I get a couple isn't that of how it works coming out? in. Yeah. Like I was literally, I had this game plan of what I was going to do if I got no work. I was like going to film Fish. stuff and do, well, I was going to film stuff and like try to like do some creative exercises and like Same. I was going to be making tutorial videos and blah, blah, blah. Grow your business. And then literally like the day before I was about to start executing my plan, like two videos come in, three videos come in, then like a month long social media project and blah. Next thing you know, I'm working fucking 60 hours a week from a Beautiful. fucking scrap wood desk with shitty ass Wi-Fi in the loft of my tiny Yeah, I was going to say, how, how was the Wi-Fi? Is so bad. Non-existent? fucking horrible. <laughs> I'm like calling them and I'm like, can I, I will pay money for better Wi-Fi. And they're yeah. like, um, sorry, sir. Like it just does not exist out here. Like <laughs> it does not work. Go back to the city, pussy. Yeah, right. That so was basically how it was. We ended up, but I ended up having, you know, we would do a lot of hiking on the weekends because Nicole's working too. She's working yeah. remotely. So like a family go, oh, how was your vacation in Montana? Like, bitch, we were fucking we were working, working the whole time. Fucking vacation. I mean, don't get me wrong. And it's probably your cousin who's on an unemployment calling yeah, you being right? like, so how was your uh, vacation? Yeah. Like when I, when I look back at this whole coronavirus quarantine thing, I'm going to have a completely different to story to tell than everybody because we got to hang out in a place like, dude, we were going to bars in mid-April because yeah, well, there was like four, 12 people there was out there. four cases in the entire state. Before they started opening things back up, it's insanity. So we had we didn't have anything to worry about. It just yeah. didn't exist out there. So we were in this little bubble that we could do whatever we wanted. We we're going hiking on the weekends. We we're going fishing. We we're going like literally going to bars and like eating at restaurants because like and we've like felt so weird about it because we're like all of our friends can't do shit back home. But like so we're also like we're also like it's not socially irresponsible to do when yeah. the, the virus doesn't exist. Right. So like. It didn't even start ramping back up until they opened things back up and people from out of state started coming to Montana. Then it became a problem again. I'm so interested to see how this all resolves itself. Like, are we all because we're going to have to just wait for a vaccine. Basically. But like, I, at a certain point, like I keep saying this, like, what the fuck do we do? Like, as as like it's different between to where you can do work in your field where you're editing and things like yeah. that. Um. Dude, I'm a songwriter and a, and a performer. I don't yeah. really know. Like, and, like it, live streams are only so oh, cool. Like, dude, they're it. okay, Like, but like, it's just not the fucking same. You well, I will say it's been a very interesting experience for me to just be doing, just working on crafting songs because we have a record that's coming out. We're putting it out in three parts because we have so many fucking songs. And we've really taken the time to, I learned how to program. I learned how to, uh, I, podcast i learned how to program drums and pianos and doing all this shit and writing in different ways and talking to people i never met before so i got something out of it that's great but i'm just i'm born to do it on the stage you know yeah. what i mean that's my no, shit i feel that now speaking of stage i want to get into this so you were just in brazil and mexico or yeah. planning to be in brazil you were in brazil and mexico. yeah those are my last shows were brazil and mexico right you've been around the, canceled everything you've been all around the fucking world what was your biggest oh shit moment to where you were like, <laughs> this is my, you're like, holy shit, I'm standing with this person or I'm actually in this place. 
So there's one that kind of comes to mind. Um, I was still working at Vanguard full time, and I was kind of at this point where I, I had a residency at a nightclub in Philly, Coda, which is closed now. Um, and I was basically like every Friday night, I was getting paid fucking nothing. And I told them the only reason, the only way I would do it is they let me keep my backpack in the green room. Oh, that was, smart. That was my little finesse. I was smart. like, I'm gonna network. I was like, I'm a network with these artists. You're not gonna pay me shit, and I'm only gonna do it if I can go in the green room. If they kick me out, so what? Like Snoop yeah. Dogg's team kicked me the fuck out. Did they? Like, you're not staying here. <laughs> but I got to network with a couple of guys, and I met this artist, Fetty Legrand, who is a fucking legend. Like yeah. OG dude's been producing like music, like that's just like smash hits for over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, met him at his sh- at his show uh, at Coda. Took a bunch of pictures. He posted them on his website and stuff. And then um, Miami Music Week, Ultra Music Festival. I'm not sure if, how familiar you are. I am. Or, I'm familiar. Um, but it's the biggest dance music event in the entire industry. Right. Uh, and it happens in Miami every year. Um, and he was playing on the main stage at Ultra that year. And I emailed his team because what I was doing at that point is I was flying myself down, paying for my own hotel room. And then I fucking love you. I want you to know that. Every single fucking artist on every single lineup being like, Hey, here's my portfolio. Do you want somebody to, to work for you? And I would kind of pick up gigs like down there and kind of cover my expenses. Yeah. Um, just for being down there. And um, his team actually got back to me. <laughs> they paid me like next to no- I I gave I came up with a horrible offer for myself. I was like <laughs> forty photo, photo and video, twenty four hour turnaround on a recap, one video per day for every day you want me with you. Uh, and it was like a hundred fifty bucks or something. Jesus Christ, like, Matt! Oh yeah, dude. I was I like, you were a financial guy, nah, dude. I was selling my soul to the <laughs> devil at that point. Like, I didn't realize how because I had never actually turned around a video in twenty four hours before. Yeah, I just told them I could do it. Ass. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I could do that. Well, first um, off, we all do that. We all say we can do yeah, something, and we're not sure whether yeah. or not. We so can. then they were like, "Ooh, that's a great deal. So lock yeah. that in." <laughs> this kid's a and fucking moron. Uh, the first show we did was fucking main stage ultra music festival sunset slot. Fucking 40, 50,000 people in the crowd. Did you have the right gear at that point? No. Absolutely. You were just bullshitting Dude, I'm trying to shoot it. fucking the biggest, one of the biggest stages in the world with a 35 millimeter lens. It's my <laughs> widest <laughs> oh my lens. God. And if you're not familiar, that is not wide. No, at not all. at all. That That's pretty fucking <laughs> yeah, focused. Yeah, like that is, that is the tightest, quote, wide angle lens that exists. Somewhere so, our photographer Dylan Edinger is having an yeah. aneurysm. So I was I was just not at all ready for this moment. And then uh, you know, we're sitting there and I like know we're about to go on stage and Fetty's walking, you know, and following him with the camera. And I was just like on this fucking mega yacht in the green room, seeing all these artists, and I'm like trying to not be starstruck. Yeah. But this is like the biggest show I had done before this was like Coda. You know, like I had so never, you went from a, a club in Philly to doing ultra music festival in like Miami. Main stage in Jesus like, Christ. Uh, yeah. And th- I had only been shooting concerts for maybe two months at this point. Um, you really and, finessed your way into this. Yeah, some fucking hell. Can I ask you a question before we finish that story? What is your view on working for free and busting your ass and kind of that whole model? Like, because it's obviously something you had to do. Actually, work actually at the deficit. I had this conversation the other day. Um, it's there's such. There's so many different ways to look at it, right? Like I, I've, I'd be lying if I said I didn't do gigs for free at some point. Like me too. And there were certain artists in certain situations that I agreed to that I would that I did for free with the expectation that it was going to turn into something bigger or yeah. I could build my portfolio or whatever. And any gig that I ever did with somebody for free has never turned into a real decently paid opportunity. That's a that's I a can, pretty I yeah. Can tell you that for sure. Um, and I think there's a right way to go about it. Like. For the first six or eight months that I was shooting concerts, I was working for free for an EDM blog in Philly. Oh, so okay. the exchange, like blogs generally, they don't have fucking money. No, like they, they don't. They're no. not going to hire and pay a photographer a good wage, shoot yeah. their shows. They just need content and they'll get it however they can take a it. A blog is a dude sitting behind a desk in their apartment. Trying to get free backstage exactly, passes and yeah, yeah. smarts, you know? They like, don't have the really money to throw no, you because no. they don't have money, period. And, but... So I worked for this blog, you know, giving them content for free in exchange for press passes. Right. So I get backstage, meet artists, network, blah, 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 build my portfolio. And it w- it felt right to me because I wasn't stepping on anybody's toes by doing right. it. I wasn't hitting up an artist that would consider paying somebody two, three, four hundred bucks for a gig. Right. Um, and then saying, I'll do it for free. And then, um, you know, taking a job away from somebody more or less. Right. Yeah. But yeah then yeah. as I started getting paid and shit, like. I'd also be lying if I said I didn't lose gigs to people who uh, were working for free. Yeah. But the thing that I always told myself 
when it came to anybody working for free is if I had somebody who was willing to pay me $200 to come take photos of their show, right? Yeah. And then somebody else hit them up and said, I'll do it for free. And they accepted the free gig. There's two things. One, either I haven't worked hard enough right. to get my portfolio and skill set to a point where I didn't pitch well enough or right. I did something wrong to not land that gig that they felt the free shittier client was better. Or the free shittier right. photographer was a better choice than me for 200 bucks. Right. Right. Um, and then like also every single time that this would happen to me, I would see what would come out of it. And guess who hit me up the next time they came back to Philly? Dude who made and, the wrong choice. Yep. And yep. guess who paid more money to hire me the next time they came back? Dude to who me. made the wrong choice. Exactly. Yep. So while at the time it sucks because you're like, oh, do I just take the opportunity? Like over the long run, as long as you focus on yourself and keep doing your thing and getting the best you can, then, you know, when somebody undercuts you, if you lose a free gig or whatever, it's not good for you. There, I do kind of take issue with people that are like, they're good. They're really fucking good. Yeah. And then they still go and do shit for free just because, you know, they have the money. Like they don't, they don't value themselves enough to do it. And then that, that is where that they're really good and they're also working for free. So now they're screwing up the market because, you know, then somebody else uses that in a negotiation. I never you. thought about it from the flip side of the thought process of like someone takes it for free and that fucks the people who are getting paid. Yeah, I've never thought about it because it, it it is odd. It does to some degree. Yeah, but at the end 100%. of the day, at the end of the day, if you're good and you work really hard, yeah. and like you and you do your thing, like there, are, most of my clients that I work with regularly, I do not worry about somebody free coming along and taking them away from me. Well, yeah, because they're your boys at this point. Yeah, but even then, I know how hard I work and what I put into what I'm doing and the yeah. quality that I produce and the way I conduct my business is the reason they keep coming back to me. Of course. And I know that anybody who works for free is not going to be able to offer what I do. Well, the thing is, I've seen, I've seen Matt in situations where he's editing during a show. Uh, I'm thinking last year, Green Room South by Southwest, it was that upstairs, like you go up the yeah. st spiral staircase. And the entire time I'm walking in there, because I'm, I'm a lunatic on show days to where I just pace, and I would just walk upstairs to walk upstairs, and Matt's in there fucking chop like chopping it up, like making jokes and shit, but he has his whole station set up that he's editing things we shot earlier in the day. Yeah. You're a beast. I love live content. I, that's like, it's a really fun Thing. I've done a bunch of music festivals. I love the South by Southwest gig. It's a fucking grind because oh, yeah. like you have to be shooting everything and editing everything. But I, I definitely get that like warrior rush out of, of like, you know, just like, all right, go shoot. It. And then like, you know, 10 minutes later, need to get a video out and up online and shit. Like technical they're, they're question. Really fun. What's your what's your program of choice? What do you edit in? I'm an Adobe guy, so I do everything. So you, Premiere Pro, After Effects, Lightroom, Photoshop, the whole shebang. I, uh, I took... I had an internship in college for video editing, and uh, we started in Final Cut. So I learned on Final Cut. Actually, and, that's the first program I ever used. Well, and then as I was finishing up my internship, they brought in uh, somebody from Adobe to teach us Adobe. I fucking suck at Adobe, dude. I do not. <laughs> I am the it's least It's definitely patient, different. But it's like, I give you guys, because I think about people who shoot and edit video the same way I think about people who are engineers in a music sense. It's a oh, yeah, totally you different open up part of your brain. Ableton, dude, and I'm gonna. Uh, nope, sorry, I'm fucking lost. But the people who can sit there technically behind a computer and just know what they're doing, and it's a total to edit is just a different part of your brain. I am very good at saying, "Do that." I love the way that sounds. I'm a producer in the sense that I can stand in the room and figure out what sounds good. I need an engineer with me because I don't yep. technically know how to make it come yep. out of that computer. No but doubt. so, all right. So now you're starting to take these gigs. You're getting bigger. Now you're talking fucking Steve Aoki. Uh, was it Frank Walker? Is yeah, it, Frank Walker. So Frank's my guy. I was going to say, I see a lot of his content. actually has a coming out with Steve. Really? He just announced it today. They have a collab coming out. It's, oh, my it's God. It's really good. What got you into EDM? Ah, uh, okay. College. Junior year of college. I'm at a party. I had, you know, I had heard of Skrillex, and yeah. everybody heard Levels by Avicii at yeah. that point, you know. <laughs> Like, but I like, I thought it was fucking stupid personally. Like I was like, this shit's fucking lame. Right. <laughs> and then, um, some, somebody shows me a video of this festival called Tomorrowland. Yeah. I know um, Tomorrowland. I got, you know, this was 2011 and it's just like a minute long trailer on Facebook. And I watched this video and it's just a people having the time of their lives. 
Like these people are just raging, and I couldn't even really hear the music they were listening to or whatever. Yeah. But I was like, these people are having literally like they're the happiest I've ever seen human beings in a video right. of my life. <laughs> and I was like, so whatever the fuck that is, I want to find out really more. good marketing, or yeah. these people are really having I was a good time. Just like this looks incredible. So then, like a couple weeks later, I just like go on YouTube and I type in like Tomorrowland, and I the first thing that pops up is Hardwell's 2011 Tomorrowland set. Hooked you. Play one hour long set, and I'm five minutes in, and I'm literally like, "This is it!" Like I have never felt so attached to a genre of music before in what my was your, life. What was your first EDM festival? Uh, Ultra. No shit. Yeah. So that. So fast forward like eight months after that, right? I start going down the fucking EDM rabbit rabbit hole. hole. <laughs> on, like I'm fucking listening to every live set I could find. I'm on, you know, every single website fucking looking for the new. I'm like, I'm that music nerd that the second, like, an artist plays a song at a festival and somebody rips it on their phone and uploads it to YouTube. You're Yo, did it. you hear the new collab yeah. between fucking Martin Garrix and Dimitri Vegas? Now, like, are, Mike, you, are, like, are you, a, are, you a, are you a nerd to where you need to know who produces it, what studio they were in? I was what? back then. I'm not anymore. I'm always that guy. So I, that was me for a good... For three, four years of my life. Yeah. And I just started getting hooked. And then, yeah, eight months later, I convinced my buddy to just drain our bank accounts. And I was like, let's go to fucking Ultra. Beautiful. And I had never been to a rave, a nightclub with a DJ, any type of EDM festival before. And then I walk in the fucking gates of Ultra and I was like, so I'm home. Oh, my God. This <laughs> is the greatest place on earth. And I was hooked right after that. But I always had this, like, I want more, I want more. Like, I never really felt satisfied with the fan experience, as, yeah. like, dickish as that might sound. No, I feel the exact same like, way. That, like, I always wanted to be a bigger part of it in some sense. And then when I picked up the camera, it started to really, like, make sense as to how I was going to fit in. If you're not working, do you have a hard time going to concerts? Now, especially, yeah. I have a fucking... T I get I'm, like... I, I don't know what to do. I have to drink. Yes, <laughs> like, no, I'm the same I gotta way. have a couple of drinks it, because then it'll at least give me something to do. I have to, like, I have to, like, love a band to go see them now. Yeah, because, 100%. And it, it has nothing to do with the quality of the band that I'm seeing. It's just that I want to be doing it myself. Yeah. But if it's, like, if the fucking Stones come in or yeah. Springsteen or something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm there. Yeah. You know what I but mean? But more often than not, and it sounds so shitty, but it's, like, if I don't get, like, Free tickets, backstage passes, VIP. Oh, you shit. just like, you I'm just had the experience. Like, you know what I mean? I just like I don't really like I go to concerts for a living. It's not yeah. that I don't enjoy them anymore, but it's like if you do something for a living every single day, like it has to be something really dope for me to want to go see it and want to pay my own money like to go do it. That was a weird thing to try and explain to my wife as I got deeper in the music industry. It was and we would go to shows and I would just be like kind of like standing there like I don't know like analyzing what was going on instead of just like grooving. And she was just like, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. I feel fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last show that, like, what was the last show that you went to that you weren't working and you were like, this is fucking dope? You can't even think about it, can you? I I have one in my mind, but I don't know if there's been one since then. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, the Avicii Tribute Concert. Who, who, who was there? That was, like, one of the most special nights of my life. So, was that? Did you take that hard? Was that? Was that like a like the? Was I, that the yeah, hardest I, I'll never forget the day that that I found out that Avicii passed away. I was actually on my way to meet up with a DJ duo, the Him. Um, I know the Him, and uh, my homies. I love them. That's shout your out, boys. Shout out Jay and Steve. Yeah, I think you might have been the one um, who like turned me on to that. Just through yeah, your socials. I, I love those dudes. Uh, I've toured with them a bunch. Um, but we were going to do a show up in Rhode Island, and then all of a sudden I get a, a notification on my Instagram. You know, Avicii passed away. And I, and then like the next like three hour car ride that's all we were talking about yeah and it was like so avici i'm getting like the chills thinking about this so the song the nights okay um came out i think in like 2012 right and rory kramer uh who you know has toured with justin bieber the chain smokers great super talented videographer okay um pretty much like rory's basically the reason i picked up a camera he was the first videographer that I followed that made me feel like I could do what he does. So it's the first time um, you saw yourself be you yeah. saw yourself in somebody else. So uh, Rory makes this makes he made these crazy videos about his lake house in Indiana, and that's how he got found by like other artists. Somebody like found his videos. Oh no shit! And said, you know, I'll take you on tour. Um, and he made uh, the music video for the Nights by Avicii. He literally like made a video, I think, posted it to YouTube. And it was just like a really cool GoPro video of him traveling all these cool places. And then I think Avicii's team hit him up and said, 
take this video, make it better, and make it for the nights. <laughs> and that make became the music video for the nights. And that wow. really, like, that launched Rory's career to the fucking stratosphere. The and guy so, ended up having his own MTV show, like, super iconic videographer. And so that to you... That to me was the inspiration of why I picked up a camera. I can trace it back to that moment specifically and watching that video. And like you said, that's the first time that I could see myself doing something like that. And that's was, amazing. And, like, so, like, while I've never met Rory, I definitely, like... That's a thing that if I ever do get to get a chance to meet him, I'll tell him. Because well, who, who haven't you met yet? So Rory's one of them. Who else in your field? Videographers, it could be uh, EDM artists, musicians. Who would you like? Who just have a breakdown to meet? Like just be like. Honestly, when it comes to music, I think I kind of got over that. Like yeah. it, I mean, when I first started doing it, I was like, "Fuck it." I met Hardwell, who well, was the first that's DJ. Oh shit, yeah. moment. Like you know I mean? met him, like. It was like the third show I ever shot. I got to interview him backstage at at a show in Philly for the blog. And wow. I was nervous as fuck yeah. before I walked in there. But then like That's how I fast felt before this fast interview today. Now, honestly, dude, the people like if there's somebody that I would ever have an oh shit moment to me, it'd be the fucking rock. Like Oh, so Dwayne. Like it's that big. You know, like there's pretty much be below the rock who's on his own fucking level. Of course. Like there's really not a lot of people that I would like fucking have a meltdown and be starstruck like it's really cool to meet famous people and i always enjoy doing so it. besides all right so besides the rock who's a weird one like for me like if i met tim tebow i'd lose my fucking mind Dude, tim tebow's great. all right cool all right tim you tebow. you can stay i was yeah, gonna have to kick you absolutely out bro. Love tim tebow. me too um but yeah probably it's probably definitely more in like the athlete world like i've done some stuff with some athletes but yeah. like it, I definitely like. Just well, you worked with Saquon, didn't I've you? I've done some stuff with Saquon. You yeah. motherfucker. Uh, well, he went to the same high school as me. No shit. Yeah. I so, didn't know that. Uh, my mom. I've actually like. I knew Saquon was even when he was in third grade. Get the fuck yep. out of here. My mom was a is an aide in the school district, and I would always go over there. Like I was in like middle school or whatever. Is that the we would get out early and I'd go play with all the kids, like throw football with them at recess, uh, and Saquon was one of the kids. Uh, and the kid was just fucking faster than everybody. Well, yeah, and his quads and were then, probably yeah. the size and of then, a grown you man. Know, you see him go through high school and college and the whole thing. And my mom kept in touch with him all the way through high school. Uh, and then I'm really close with uh, one of his day-to-day -day managers, Nick. Uh, and Nick and I kind of kept in touch. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up doing, like, Saquon's football camp last year. Every now and then, like, uh, we talk about, like, trying to get a workout in. But with his schedule my schedule, it's like... I... He's one of those people I want to hate because I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan. So I hate Penn State. Uh, and I'm and the Eagles world's fan. biggest Eagles fan, yeah. so I hate the Giants. I can't even hate the guy. No, he's a great dude. Man. He's just a and great human and being. And he's just as cool in person as, is he? as it seems like. Like, yeah, he's just super chill. Like, just how he's just he's a dude. Yeah, like, that's what I like fucking, to hear. He's a guy, man. The guy's a competitive as hell. He's funny, and he's just like I've only ever really hung out with him for like you know like a day. Yeah. Um, but like he's he's a he's a good dude. But there is nothing better than like if if. Someone didn't know me, right? And I was a fly on a wall in a conversation between two people. And they're like, what do you think of Colin Budney? And they're like, he's just a fucking dude, man. That's the highest compliment I could get. Pretty much, yeah. But we, we always say that about Erica in the band. We're always like, Erica's a fucking, that's, that's a good dude right yeah. there. That's a more of a state of being than a yeah. gender. It's just it a fucking is. state of being. So, all right. What were we talking about? We were talking about oh shit moments. We were talking about... Um, you were going on Rory. Rory, that's yeah. right. And then oh, we were yeah, going... the Avicii tribute concert. Right, yes. So, yeah, so the Knights video was the first thing to really, like, make me feel like I could do the whole video thing, right? Yeah. So then, you know, when Avicii passes away, I'm doing the show with the him. They had just, like, remixed uh, Without You uh, or Without Me um, by Avicii. Oh, okay. They played it out that night. Oh, which that's was, crazy. Like, a super emotional moment. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so this past November, I was on tour with Frank Walker. Right. Uh, we did, uh, like a three week run in Norway and Sweden. Um, and, uh, so Frank is managed by Palm Tree, which is Kygo's management company. Okay. I know Kygo. Um, and, uh, so Kygo, so we had a show in Stockholm, Sweden on a Friday night. And Kaigo was playing the Avicii concert Thursday night. Okay. And the Avicii tribute concert, it was like the Tim Burgling Foundation, the one singular event. Oh, like, so this is like the Avicii sponsored event. Yeah, like his, like his, his foundation. This is a year and a half, a year and a half after he passed away. His family uh, hosts this fundraiser concert to raise money for the foundation. And wow. they book, you know, all the people that like collaborated, like David Guetta and Kaigo is playing. And of course. Like, all of like the big names that have collaborated with him. But then they also have the Stockholm Orchestra playing all of his music. Jesus. All of the vocalists that were on like all Aloe Black and like Aloe people Black like that. was there and Nick Furlong and like Chris whole, Martin. Uh, Chris Martin didn't didn't make oh. it, but they had 
a lot of like super, super talented people like performing in Sandra Cavazza, who is one of my personal favorites. Okay. He's fucking incredible. Um, but, um, so Frank and I get tickets to the show. Frank's yeah. like, I like, I didn't really think about it. I kind of knew it was happening, but I didn't really like want to like, I didn't want to like push the envelope. I didn't want to get my hopes up. Of course. I didn't yeah, want to yeah, be yeah. disappointed. Right. So right. I was kind of like, if we go, we go. If we don't, we don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I kind of tried to not think about it, uh, but then Frank's like, "Yo, we got like a couple of tickets. Do you want to go?" And I was like, "Oh my fuck God. yeah! What, what am I gonna do? Sit <laughs> my hotel in Stockholm and not yeah. go to this concert? Like, <laughs> we sit here and beat my meat. Why am I gonna go to like, this why concert? Why would you even ask? Of course I'm <laughs> fucking in." Uh, and we walked in, man, and that was like, yeah, that like the that was probably one of the most emotional concerts I've ever been to. Yeah, because like, I was such a huge fan of his music. He inspired an entire generation of artists that I listened to. And he was only like, like our age. Yeah. Like, he was like a young dude. Older than us. Like, That's fucking and, crazy. Like just an insanely talented musician. And like, like I said, he inspired pretty much like every single artist in dance music that I listened to yeah. was in some way, shape, or form influenced by him. And like insane. So like for like me to be at this concert was like insanely special. And like it was just so emotional, and all of the songs and the the singers were just so passionate, and like the production was unbelievable, and like it was just like one of those just emotional, you're fucking crying the whole time, like just what, crazy. What really blows my mind about a lot of the stories you've told today is just how like much of a world music the EDM world is. Yeah, because you're talking about Brazil, Sweden, yep. Norway, and it just seems like. It's a universal language almost because it doesn't boil down to the lyrics yep. as much, and it's more Absolutely. of a vibe. Yeah. It, like, how much have has that been an important part in what you do? Like, is the travel something you enjoy? Yeah. Like, no, okay, absolutely. Cool. I be even, a hell of a field to be in if you didn't. It, like, the, um, like, the travel aspect of it is super important to me. Yeah. And, like, I really enjoy that aspect of it because, like, I, I studied abroad in Costa Rica when I was in college. No shit. I went for like six weeks one summer. Wow. Um, that happened because I went to a study abroad fair. Like they made us go for class. And they were just like, it was one of those things where like you got to go. It's required for the class. I'm like whatever. It's going to be fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I got there and there's like eight kids and they're all like presenting. Right. Um, and they're like, uh, you know, I went to Ireland. It was the most amazing experience of my life. I went to Brazil. <laughs> most amazing. All, like none of them were working together on anything. They all went to different places, though. This is the greatest experience of my life. And I was like, well, they all was it the greatest experience of your life? It was definitely the most life changing. No, no shit. doubt to that point. Because I had never really left like Pennsylvania, dude. Know? And then I fucking get on a plane for the first time in my life, fly to Costa Rica for five weeks in a completely different. Yeah, that's a culture shock right there, right? And I'm like, this is nuts. And I like, you know, just like. I don't know. It was just so epic. And like, basically after being down there for, for five weeks, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to find yeah, a way to travel. I need to travel. Like, I need to just go see as many things as I can and experience as many different things as I can. And then, so I get back from that experience. The study abroad office sends an email to all the kids that study abroad. Do you want to put up a poster in the study abroad fair? I said, yeah. Um, so, and like, I never did extracurricular shit oh, like wait, that. Did, right? you, did you wind up going and being like, I went to Costa Rica. It was best experience of my life. Basically, yeah. Uh, so because that, that experience influenced me to study abroad, I was like, all right, I'm going to give back. And I never did shit like that. I never did extracurricular shit because yeah. I played football and I was like, I don't fucking want to. Yeah, because I play out, football. Do I do any extra Get out of here, nerds. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> so set my poster up at study abroad fair. Two posters down. I look over and there's this girl with leggings. Like, Yo, she's a really nice butt. I'm going to go talk to her. Wifey? Yep. And of course it her. is, dude. Of course so it is. She studied abroad in India that summer. She thought I was a total asshole. I yep. was like, hey, where'd you go? And she was like, I went to India. And I was like, I went to Costa Rica. And she thought I was a, like a loser. I told her we were throwing a party. And I was like, you want to come over for this party later tonight? And she was like, sure. I got her number. And I went back to all my roommates. So I was like, guys, we got to throw a party tonight now. Marrying this girl. Uh, and then, yeah, fucking fast forward to now. We're going on our second wedding anniversary. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that it is a constant thing in every story that I hear about married couples. The girl always hates the guy at first. Pretty much. My wife thought I was a fucking douchebag oh, yeah. for a very odd reason. <laughs> I borrowed a pen from her friend, and I forgot to give it back. And her and her friend were like, what a fucking what an asshole. asshole. And for like kind a, a year, she do. thought, I didn't. <laughs> Actually, what we were taking a. We were taking a math test, and I borrowed a pen or a pencil, and I, I like took the yeah, test. I did and that just shit all the time. Oh my I, God, I, I was always the guy asking for a pen. Are college. you a lighter thief? Uh, I was, but I, I'm not anymore because I don't really smoke. 
Okay, but either way, like, even... But I definitely was guilty of the same thing. I am, like, I'm a weird dude. I think I have, like, high-functioning ADD. Like, if I pick something up, I just play with it for, like, an hour. Yeah. And then I just fucking forget that I have it and put it in my pocket. Never, like, steal anything on purpose, but... I don't know. For some reason, I think we just capped that off perfectly. We went full circle right there, bro. We went marriage, life, marriage, L. Yeah. What's your what what's your plan right now? What what are you gonna do for the next couple months? Um, keep working on videos. I mean, it's been interesting over the last like three, four months. I've kind of seen my business like pivot. Um, yeah. obviously not being able to tour. I mean, you'll probably probably pivot back at some point. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But it's been like a good opportunity for me to really get into more of the like content producer role, uh, overseeing strategies and kind of like working on like figuring out like how to expand and what that's going to look like for me because like are you going to bring people on you think at some point um so probably at some point i mean not really personally i don't ever want to hire an employee like Fair i enough. don't want to have to have that responsibility i Worry would rather care for people well, yeah and i just i just don't want that like stress i'd rather have like four five six consistent clients that yeah. give me a ton of work. Right, I'm going to find you the best fucking press, like, like pho- photographer. Be a liaison. Get them, like, do that. And then, like, yeah. the projects that are in my wheelhouse, I'll do. You know, go tour, go shoot, go this, go that, yeah. edit a video. Well, you blah, can funnel blah, blah, work blah. for people without having to be exactly. their employer. That's what I mean. So, like, and, and, like, you know, the way I look at it, too, is, you know, for these clients, I want to get them the best content possible. Of course. So, like... For me, what that looks like is, okay, like I said, I, I need press photos. I'm going to find you the best portrait photographer. Yeah, rather I than me a, force my way into it. Yeah, or like, you know, me have my employee who I've been training, who's been doing this for two years, do your press photos, and like, they're probably not going to be as good as, right. you know, like, I'd rather take no money or a small, like, you know, like, a sliver of a percentage. Yeah, for, exactly. Like, you know, for doing all of that, then I would actually, like, worry about that being under my agency umbrella, so to speak. The hardest, I think the hardest, the weirdest thing for me is that if you're in a band, right, it doesn't feel like you have, you, like, from my perspective to where I'm the songwriter and I'm, like, kind of the finesser in the band and the, the workhorse, it almost feels like I have, like, 10 people's lives that just, like, sit in stupid decisions that I make. Yeah. And it would be so much easier to just be able to fucking... Be a solo artist. Be a solo <laughs> artist and just do my thing. Sadly enough, I can't play the drum, saxophone, guitar, guitar, bass, and also be Erica at the exact same time. So I'm very happy where I am, but I'm just... I get the idea of the yeah. pressure of, like, holy shit, there's external people here that, yeah. like, depend on me. Not to mention a wife and a manager... And fucking photographers that we employ and everybody involved. It's, yeah. it's, it's a wild fucking thing. Yep. Dude, promise me something. Yeah. We're going to do a part two of this. Yeah, no doubt. I'm definitely down. Hit me up. Say less. I'm in. Guys, uh, check out Matt Henry shit. Matt, what's your Instagram? Matt Henry video. Probably should have just fucking plugged it in there. I love you. I want you to know that. Also check out Mount Forge at MT Forge on Instagram. The last thing I want to bring up before we leave. Forge is an adorable dog. Happy birthday, Forge. Today is oh. Forge's second birthday. So I have Vinny. Vinny's my, my black lab, German Shepherd, Husky, my baby boy. He turned four. His gotcha day, the day we adopted him, is the day we released part one of the new album. So it's a very special Amazing. day for two reasons. Amazing. Um, fucking any last words? Uh, no, man. Shout out to you guys. Shout, Shout out, out to, to you. And get down. Dude, I love when I do Shout that shit. Colin for bringing me out here. I love when I hear, like, I, I say that to people where I'll be like, yo, any last words? And they're like, fucking just, you know, you fu- keep dreaming, dude. Keep Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any last no, words. No, man, I don't, I don't really have anything super inspiring to say. I've never really been the inspirational speech kind of guy. I respect that. I'm not either. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer in, like, external motivation. I'm not, like, I don't need to sit there and have somebody on YouTube talk to me for an hour. Yeah, no doubt. I like to listen to that shit, but I'm not good at preaching it. Are you a Joe Rogan guy? Uh, no, I'm a Pat McAfee show. Oh, Pat McAfee I show Pat is Mac. my fucking favorite podcast. Are you a Barstool guy? Um, not quite as much. I like I follow the Instagram. It's funny. Yeah, like, I, I See, respect what they're about. I like I like I'm a not lot like of their a, stuff. I'm not like a barstool Instagram account. I love like pardon my take. I mm-hmm. love like that's a big thing for the band on the on the road. We love like good podcasts. Yeah. So 
I love like I love Pat McAfee. Pat, he, dude, his show is so good. Well, he's just the best because that he's a, got me through the drive to and from Montana. He's a free agent. He does yeah. whatever he wants. He yep. has no allegiance. And he's got his fucking boys. Like, That's a hey, cool the thing. people that work for him are his homies. Yeah. For, like he was just gave them all jobs and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna do this, and we're all gonna fucking ride together. We're gonna fail together." I like, love the fact that he retired and announced he was going to work for Barstool. I think that's like the funniest like fuck you to the NFL. Yeah. I love that shit. Well, this is part one of Matt Henry. We'll obviously have him back on. He's going to be one of our reoccurring guests. Uh, Matt, I love you. This has been spectacular. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Go take care of Forge. What are you giving for his birthday? Uh, we had a little birthday party for him this past weekend where the family dogs came over and hung out <laughs> my in-laws. Uh, my wife makes these like uh, homemade peanut butter treats. Oh, uh, nice. He goes crazy for. We give every year on his birthday, we take a, a cheeseburger, and he loves uh, Trader Joe's cheese crunchies, Ooh. and we put them in his bowl, and he just goes, mm. goes ham. Oh, shit. I'm mad at him though, dude. He ate an entire chicken off the counter last night. Ooh, Forge's good with that. How how big is Forge? How much does Forge weigh? Fifty pounds. All right, Vinny's ninety. That's a big fucking dog. Vinny's basically a small horse. Yeah, but he's a dog. Such a pussy, dude. He's such a pussy. Yeah. Any noise that is external to the house. Now yeah, Forge Forge will fuck you up. Either he'll love you or he'll fuck you up. See, I feel like Vinny would fuck somebody up, but like Vinny, like if Vinny hears. Like he'll go from barking out the window at a dog walking by the house, and then he hears one firework, out. In his cage, in the back of the cage for a day. Like, just, like, hates That's noises. Fine. Very odd for him to be my dog with the profession that I have and as loud yeah, as I am. probably why. You probably did that to him. Uh, I probably traumatized, I probably traumatized <laughs> him. But what, what, what's being a dad without a little bit of trauma? True. You know what I mean? No, you're right. All right, on that note, Matt, I love you. We're going to wrap this up. I'll see you next time, all right? Thanks, bud.